0: This is Look West, a podcast from California's Assembly Democrats.
1: Hi, I'm Nairi Bagdasarian. And
0: I'm Andy Domic, and we're with Look West.
1: So we're on episode three of our Look West series on COVID-19 vaccines. In the previous episodes, we talked about trusted messengers like Secretary of State, Dr. Shirley Weber, why they're so important and what having them actually means to getting vaccines in arms of those who are maybe hesitant to take the vaccine. We talked about how and why we should all make a plan to get the vaccine for you and your family. And we talked with experts about how these are safe and effective vaccines and how they were developed in record time. And now we got a new topic. What are we talking about, Andy?
0: Vaccine equity who gets these vaccines? How do we make sure that the people who are most in need of getting them uh, actually get them in their arms? Uh, Latinos are getting about 20% of the vaccines administered in California, but they make up about 40% of the state's population. Statewide, they've started implementing some programs that will reduce that inequity by setting aside 40% of vaccines for communities that haven't been getting them as much.
1: But we know it's more complicated than that, right, uh, especially since it's up to the individual counties to decide how they're rolling out these vaccines. And, um, and that's where our conversation starts with Assemblymember Dr. Joaquin Arambula, who represents the Fresno County area of the Central Valley. And during this entire time, he's been giving vaccines out himself.
0: What's really cool is Dr. Arambula has been volunteering his time to give vaccinations to elderly folks and farm workers, and Dr. Arambula takes the conversation in a really interesting direction when he speaks with public health experts about vaccine equity. Uh, before we hear that conversation, he told us this great story about uh, that getting to vaccinate labor rights icon Dolores Huerta.
2: It's important when we are uh, figuring out how to message and communicate with our community that we find trusted messengers who they will listen to and uh, will appreciate hearing from. Uh, We were lucky in the Central Valley to have one uh, have been a force, an icon, a legend for many of us who grew up here in Dolores Huerta. Being born in Leno, in the middle of that farm working movement, I know her importance for our campesinos, for the trabajadores, for the people who work every day in our camps and help to produce our bountiful harvest. But I had an honor and I had a privilege this past week among several of the hundred farm workers who I've vaccinated, among several of the hundred elders and seniors who we vaccinated, to vaccinate a hero of mine in Dolores Huerta. It was uh, an important moment as she helped to communicate and became that trusted messenger for our community about the importance of those vaccines for our farm workers. Really was proud to play a small role and being there at her side. I um, really was humbled and uh, honored to play uh, a small role. Uh, I'd like to start today's conversation by talking about what vaccine rollout looks like, and it's different from county to county, but really want to focus on how we've been doing in Fresno County, and are there any lessons learned that we've had or best practices that we can share with the rest of the state? And to have that conversation, I've invited uh, two great guests to participate today, Dr. Tanya Pacheco-Warner, who I'll now allow to introduce herself, followed by Mr. Joe Prada.
3: Hi, I'm Tonya Pacheco-Warner. I am the co-director of the Central Valley Health Policy Institute at Fresno State. And I am also one of the co-creators of the COVID-19 Health Equity Project, which is a community health worker based approach to the pandemic.
4: Good morning, everybody. Uh, Joe Prado. I'm with the Fresno County Department of Public Health. I am the community health division manager and currently in my role I'm also the vaccine um, lead for, the, uh, for Fresno County overall so I get to lead these efforts with an amazing team here locally and not just within Fresno County without uh, throughout the entire community as well just creating those partnerships and, the, and those collaborations I am from the Central Valley, so I am a Kern County uh, boy, so I definitely uh, love to speak on this topic of equity as growing up in the Kern County area in Wasco, specifically, uh, just really um, grateful for this opportunity to speak on equity and vaccine rollout in Fresno County.
2: That's a a great introduction. And if I uh, can, I want to focus. Uh, Many of us who are in the Valley have been doing grassroots organizing for a while. We always appreciate uh, being grassroots. Maybe it's because I was born in Delano in the middle of the farm workers movement, but appreciate the idea of community and being able to serve our community. But I want to introduce an idea for those who are listening about grass tops, that there are Uh, those who have an opportunity to see a bit broader than what we do with grassroots. And uh, Mr. Joe Prado, I think that's your role for the county. I think that's how you have helped us to have this conversation about equity on a broader scale and was hoping that you could talk specifically about your focus on hotspots as well as employers. And we will follow that question up with you, Dr. Tanya Pacheco-Warner, about grassroots and how you've been organizing and working with CBOs to turn community out so that we can help to meet people where they're at and to talk about and to deal with their fears and anxieties. First, uh, Joe Pato.
4: Great, Um, thank you. You know, well, during the pandemic response, um, even when we were talking about lab testing, we already knew which communities were gonna be mostly impacted. We already have seen the level of health burden in our disadvantaged communities. So if we looked at, we looked at our data we looked at our census tracts, we knew our neighborhoods that were going to be impacted by this. So every time we laid out a plan, we looked at it through the equity lens, who will be mostly impacted by it. So making um, these services, lab testing back then available within those communities, were really key. As we move forward within the vaccine rollout, it was, it was very abundantly clear, it was going to have to happen again, but times 1,000. <laughs> And I say times 1,000 just because we're 6,000 square miles in Fresno County. And so we, we just can't have mass vaccination sites in the city of Fresno. We needed to be able to mobilize and be able to go out to the rural areas. And in addition, we already know our communities that are most impacted by this, there's issues with trust of government and trust of the system overall. And so we know that in our design, we needed to take care of the masses that are digitally available that can actually connect to wi-fi but we needed to address the rural area but then we also had to deal the, with the issue of trust and so and this was always um, part of our plan and just we've just been very fortunate that we had our COVID equity um, team alongside of us this entire way and so uh, Dr. Pacheco-Warner will talk about, a little bit about that more so but just uh, uh, just to understand the framework is uh, we're not forgetting anybody in our community We've set up our mass vaccination sites. We're setting them up in the rural areas. And now as we've got our data in, I can see doses being spread out strategically. So when we do our weekly, who gets the doses, it's always through that lens of place matters. And so we put those doses in those communities, but that's just half the work just because you place doses there. doesn't mean people are going to want to get vaccinated. And this is where that trust issue comes into place in our trusted messengers. And so that's where I believe, a uh, Dr. Patricia Warner and her um, partnership with COVID uh, equity can really speak into what that next piece looks like after we get the doses in these neighborhoods.
3: Thank you, Joe, or as I like to refer to him, our local vaccine czar, because it really takes that level of big thinking and big planning to get rural communities vaccinated in a strategic way. And um, really what we knew from the beginning, you know, uh, backpedal to April 2020, um, as community-based organizations, we began talking to one another and saying, particularly our immigrant and refugee communities are gonna be left out. They're gonna be left out of the prevention. They're gonna be left out of the testing and they're gonna be left out of when we have something that moves us forward, they're gonna be left out of that. And so we, we knew that we had to help and and mobilize and help be a a tool because we already had the sort of, as you can call it, the pulse on the ground in terms of, do people know the information that's coming out through the radio or through the TV um, or through websites? Um, We know, we were able to say, yes, that information is getting to them. No, it's not, Um, and so, Really, these community based organizations have been working in their communities for decades. And I think that one of the biggest um, hurdles that we had was How do we actually reach people where they're at, because they're not going to drive an hour and a half to a testing site in the city of Fresno if they live in a rural area, they're not going to Um, go on a website and navigate a complicated registration system to have access to a test. So how can we help get people what they need at the time they need it? And now with vaccines, we are at that same place where we are telling people in, in their own language, in their own way of understanding, what is the vaccine? What what are the things that you should watch out for? What are the things that the reasons why you should get it in ways that really speak to them? And then we're also helping, um, working alongside the Fresno County um, Public Health to say, you know what, this is where we need to have an event. This is where we're seeing people not getting the information. And so, for example, staff will go to workplaces where the county is giving a workplace vaccines and we'll provide them with the health education they need to make sure that they are prepared and that they sign up to get a vaccine. And in the coolest part, I think that we're doing as of late, it's just telling people they qualify because many people don't know what tiers are or the fact that they now qualify or let alone where to go to sign up to get a vaccine. So our teams are going out into those rural areas, um, into the mom and pop shops, the the grocery stores, the little restaurants and telling them you qualify, here's how you can get vaccinated. Um, And so just using all the tools in our toolbox to help people get vaccinated and to close that gap. So that our most vulnerable can be the ones that also benefit from the solution today.
2: That's a, no, I was going to say that's really beautiful, Dr. Warner. Having uh, been out there in community, uh, enjoying to serve my community, it's important for us to acknowledge uh, uh, this step forward. Many people in our community are starting to have hope as we're starting to distribute this vaccine, as we're starting to educate and inform them about its importance, we're starting to move forward together as a community. I have loved getting out into our unincorporated areas, meeting people where they're at, helping to talk about their concerns and anxieties so we can move forward. But I wanna actually give some uh, specific examples for other counties that they can work on, some actionable items. And so really wanna talk uh, Joe Prado if we can about how you work with hot spots, how you identify those large employers so that we can make sure we can get those low-hanging fruit for some counties who might not be targeting uh, those spots at the moment.
4: Our our first biggest opportunity was in our food and ag initiative. So our food and ag initiative, we did this in January. What we did is we needed to find out logistically what's it going to look like vaccinating our farm worker population, our packing houses, Are essential workers in that space, knowing the linguistic issues, knowing the logistic issues. And so, what we did is uh, we went out and just took a risk. We took a risk that people were gonna wanna work with us. And we went to, and we identified um, particular um, indoor businesses that had significant outbreaks. And so, we said, we wanna vaccinate you early. Uh, It's not in the tier system yet, but we need to learn from this initiative. And so we really were able to target in um, areas of indoor um, packing, indoor facilities that had an outbreak, a mid midsize indoor facility may or may not have had an outbreak, and then just outdoor workers. Uh, so this, that was a little more of a smaller model, but we wanted to see logistically how we can bring them together. And I remember we um, put together a Food and Ag Advisory Committee, and they've been together discussing the regulations. And I remember sitting with them and saying, okay, it's time for you guys to run a, a medical clinic. And you know, there were some chuckles and they're like, well, we're not medical providers, don't worry about it. But you understand logistics. And as soon as you said logistics, every business knows logistics frontwards and backwards. They are a huge asset in your community to they can manage the logistics. You just needed to provide them a clinical partner. And so as we embedded on this um, first part of our initiative, we said 3000 doses were on the table. And we, had, we thought we were only gonna have three partners. I think we ended up having six partners for about 30,200 doses. And we were just trying it all out. And what we found out was um, the business partners, they found their own solutions. So for, uh, you know, county health departments, don't be intimidated by it. They will find their solutions. You just have to give them the framework to operate under in that clinical um, partner. And so we had clinical partners from Safeway we had clinic, uh, regular clinic, um, F federally qualified health centers, and we have county clinical team that really serviced this here as well. We had our local university, Fresno State mobile team went out to serve the food and ag initiative. And all we did was build a framework. That's all we did at the beginning. And it, extremely successful. Did it have some bumps? Absolutely had some bumps. Don't expect nothing's going to go perfect. Just throw that out the window. This is COVID. Don't worry about it but really you're creating a framework for people to get comfortable that they're not medical providers, but they can organize and they can communicate well. Pre-education is key. Pre-education before all our, our events was mandatory in our initiative and we continue doing that. That is where you get the population that is on the fence or people who are just absolutely telling you no, but with that education, you're converting them to a yes and they're more comfortable in making their decision. That was extremely important. What also was important is we developed a running list of businesses that really wanted to do it. And we told them, we funded the first part of it, but moving forward a business, you can fund um, your clinical partner in the future and the ones that are ready, and we use the terms everybody's familiar with, if you are shovel ready and the doses come in, we will um, go ahead and send you those doses. It was so great Um, the other week when we got that additional doses, I looked to the Food and Ag Committee and I said, you have 10,000 doses, I want your plans in three days. They had it all figured out in three days, 10,000 doses out the door. That was amazing. The Food and Ag community really came together. And so I think as we think of this framework and they continue to build, we we have to look to our local businesses. They can figure out some of the logistics um, parts with us and really be able to coordinate with them as we move forward through the vaccination campaign.
2: Dr. Pacheco-Werner, I was hoping you could comment a little bit, since pre-education is so important prior to vaccine distribution, about uh, the importance of language access, about the importance of solving issues like transportation, about uh, the fact that many people in our rural communities don't have access to internet or uh, have computers. Uh, and so can you talk about uh, the role that CBOs play and? helping to make sure that we're overcoming those barriers to distribute the vaccine equitably.
3: Thank you, um, assembly member. I talked about the rural communities and their challenges, but it's also so important to know that people living in the middle of a city can also be socially isolated, can also be lacking internet access. Um, for example, in one of the places in Fresno that's within the city, um southwest fresno um predominantly latino and african-american community they don't have the same internet as everybody else and so to say you know come online register right that's going to be a barrier for people um and so i think it's important to note that um barriers exist no matter where people live and our communities of color are specifically in need of not only language access, but cultural access as well. And so one of the things that, that is, is key is that one-on-one interaction. So for us, that really means going and meeting people where they're at, at their place of employment, um, not only for the actual vaccine events, when we're working with a business partner but even just as a canvassing just inviting yourself in and letting them know the vaccine is available and it's for you um because it doesn't feel like when like so for example um i i live in a small town and i've been telling our grocery workers and they they're shocked that it's their turn they feel like it's a privilege that, it, that they didn't know that they had access to. And that is what our communities are facing. And so I really feel like um, a community health worker model or work partnering with community based organizations is key because then you don't need to retrain staff. Community based organizations go out and talk to people all day, every day. So they know how to do this. And, um, and I think it's just important, just equipping them with the tools and they're ready to go. The community health workers we've worked with, we've trained them in Spanish, we've trained them in English. Um, their, their leads have trained them in other languages to get information on what is mRNA? What does the vaccine alter your DNA? You know, what is the Janssen vaccine even? We just had our training um, this week about that. So. You know, community health workers, community-based organizations are not only best at communicating, but they're also um, really capable of learning the complex information needed to transmit to the community.
2: That's a great segue, and it allows me to then highlight uh, the fact that the governor has also identified and noticed the importance of CBOs. Just this past week, we saw him uh, place funding over $50 million into 337 different nonprofits who are doing this work. Having worked with a few on those front lines, I do want to highlight the work of Cultiva La Salud and Leadership Council for Justice and Accountability, who have helped to organize and bend the boots on the ground for the events that we have put together. But know that we would not have been successful without their efforts, without their uh, uh, determination, without their knowledge of the community and ability to be a trusted messenger. And so really do highlight and elevate the hard work of those who know their communities better, but want to, if I can, really dig into this idea of meeting people where they are at. It was actually that you, Dr. Pacheco-Warner, had to go out with a mobile health clinic to many of these places. It's been uh, me partnering with the Fresno State Mobile Health Nursing Unit to be able to get resources out into our more rural and, uh, and yes, our urban underserved areas as well. And so I was hoping to bring you and Joe Prado and figure out how we coordinate and really work with our mobile units to make sure that we are meeting people where they are at.
4: Yeah, I think uh, our mobile units are key and they're gonna be sustained throughout the entire response. I think that's where, as we're opening up the tiers, uh, that, that is a great resource for us to have to be able to hit our, these, um, these communities. At the same time, the mobile units need to have the right education partners. They need to have the right faces showing up in their communities. And so uh, I, love, I love the trusted messengers and that's what they're attached to. They're attached to a CBO of that community they have had history with whether it be COVID testing or just prior to COVID, they already had a relationship there. And that's something I think that's key for all the counties. Um, you know, for, for the counties to be able to contract outside the government walls is extremely important. This public health is no longer within the government walls, it is out in our community. And so as we work on these contracts, we need to give uh, those CBOs those flexibilities contractually within their scopes of work, really maneuver. And what do I mean by that? Ethnic media. Ethnic media. We need large scale social media. Great. Yes, absolutely. But ethnic media is really key. So funding ethnic media within these contracts are important. Um, And so that's where we have to continue to be innovative with our rural uh, mobile and our urban mobile units, sustainability. But the education has to come in different ways and formats as well. So I think that's how we get to the this hard, um, this hard-to-reach population, to where um, the big mass vaccination sites will get us some numbers, but we really need to continue to stay targeted in our efforts with vaccine in our hard-to-reach communities.
2: Um, I've been really impressed, Dr. Pacheco Warner, with uh, the work you've done with the UCSF COVID Equity Project, and was hoping that you could uh, take a few minutes and comment on that and uh, uh, how it's helped uh, our response in Fresno County.
3: Yeah, so. You know, with a medical partner and in partnership with Fresno County, we have um, given access first to testing and now vaccines in an extremely low barrier setting. What does that mean? What is does low barrier setting mean? It means they're in a neighborhood that's readily accessible, either by public transportation or within a neighborhood that that is one of the hotspots and also you don't make any strings attached to getting there. It's on a first come first serve basis. And so that really allows people to say, okay, we know that they're here Monday through Friday and on Saturdays at this time, this is where they're going to be. I don't need to plan anything. It just needs to, I just need to know that, that if I have time, I'm gonna be able to go on that day and they're gonna be able to vaccinate me. And I just really feel like we need all the models, right? We need every tool in our toolbox. We need the mass vaccination sites, but we need all the way down to these low barrier sites that are um, vaccinating our homeless population, that are vaccinating our um, population that does not know how to read or write. And so they have to register in the moment right there with a medical assistant or a community health worker helping them out. And I really feel like this model is something that um, we need to be recreating for not just the pandemic, but for preventive health in the future. I really feel like this low barrier um, healthcare has opened the doors and we should be thinking around California because we're innovators, how we keep this type of model going so that our most vulnerable communities can get the health care that they need
2: i I love that and uh, uh, would love to talk about systems changes necessary for us not to have the results we had during this pandemic because uh, unfortunately we have uh, seen the disparities that uh, are borne out when uh, we have our current system and it necessitates us to talk about change and the importance for us to make improvements and uh, central to that for me is making sure we are providing needed care where people are at in a language that they understand with trusted messengers and uh, believe that will be central to how we can rise out of this pandemic stronger than we went into it. Uh, really want to take a moment if I can and now see if you have any uh, final and closing thoughts and uh, things that you would like to share with our audience and Uh, If we can, we will start uh, with you, Joe Prada.
4: You know, um, I think um, this response has has taught us a lot in our department, in our county, that relationships, trust, and collaboration is key. Um, The business model that I mentioned to you, um, there's a lot of people coming together that were on opposite sides before, but we are coming together as a county, as a group, because we have a common goal. And so for me, as I think of public health in the future, Let's find that common goal again. Let's come together again uh, post COVID. Let's create those systems and the funding structures that allow that as well, because then we can become a healthier Fresno County. We, we don't have to be the most health burden uh, or disadvantaged community in the state of California. We will do better with us working together. And so that's what I'm even more excited about. I'm even more excited about what we're gonna become post COVID because we've got a lot of battle wounds. We've got a lot of scars. Uh, COVID has given us that, but wow, it's given us a really good foundation also that we can build on. And so I'm really excited about what's gonna happen to to our um, equity lens post COVID because I I think we've got a really good start here and I want us to continue to build on it.
3: Thank you, Joe. I feel like the the idea of looking towards the future is so essential because I really do feel like this pandemic has necessitated us to break models, to break molds. And, um, and so we can't go back, there is no going back. And so there is only going boldly forward and knowing that trying new things can have good outcomes. And I see that when I see that we have events in places that have had outbreaks in a rural community that takes 40 minutes to get to the main city that has 350 people show up to, vac- to be vaccinated in one morning, right? Um, I know that people want to participate in healthcare, and I think now is the time to just Think about how we make this into not only a way of doing things at a systems level, but how we hire people from those communities, which is what we've done with the COVID-19 equity project, how we hire people from those communities and also give them the resources that they need for this to be a healthcare workforce opportunity that will help the healthcare access that is lacking in many parts of California.
2: I really appreciate uh, the tone of this conversation and how collaborative uh, we have all been together Uh, during this pandemic. We have realized that the health of each of us is dependent on the health of all of us, that we are all in this together, and thus we must make sure we have equitable distribution, that we uplift those who are vulnerable in our communities, that we are providing resources and making sure that we have low barriers to access care and really have been uh, impressed with much of the work that we've done in Fresno County collaboratively and hope the rest of the state can look towards some of our best practices but also look towards the lessons we've learned, look towards some of those scars so that uh, they can uh, learn from that. But I hope ultimately what they'll look towards is how we can effectively and equitably distribute this vaccine to those who need it. So hopefully you've been able to listen in, to learn a thing or two, and uh, have appreciated the opportunity to be able to talk with you today. I will end if I can by starting the the, uh, last pandemic, I was on the front lines of healthcare. It's a very different perspective when you're now working with the systems and figuring out how to make improvements. But I've never lost that perspective of community and being on the front lines and who it is that we're serving. I think that's how we keep our focus on equity. That's how we keep uh, the policies going in the right direction is because ultimately we're serving Californians. I'm proud of the work that we're doing as California and how we are addressing this pandemic of the century. And hopefully those who are listening today will be able to learn a thing or two and make improvements in their communities as well.
3: Thank you. Thank you.
1: Thank you to Dr. Rambula and our guests for talking about vaccine equity and helping us continue this conversation. It's certainly not done. So I anticipate more episodes on this topic, but for now I'm Nairi Bagdasarian.
0: And I'm Andy Domic. You've been listening to Look West.
1: The Look West podcast is produced by the California Assembly Democrats. When you think of California and politics, remember to look west.